You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Janine, I think it's two across. One more, yes. It looks more like an inclusive, ever-growing, unifying family table. That inclusive, ever-growing table's getting dragged from all over to centre around Jesus. That's how the Bible describes church. It gathers, it grows, and it goes. So upon this journey as a church, I kind of left with one, well, I was left with one question or a couple of thoughts. Why? And (laughs) to what purpose? Just like kids ask constantly when you ask them to do something, us as humans love to know the answer, well, why? So, sure, it could be an inclusive, ever-growing, unifying family table, but why? And what does that table do? Are some of the questions that come to my mind as we finish this series. If we as a church are going to shape this community around this image, if we're going to make decisions, because you realise when you make a decision to do something, you actually also probably make a decision to not do another thing. And so if we're going to make a decision to be an an inclusive, ever-growing, unifying family table, we're going to say no to other things. If we're going to make sacrifices and give up things as a community to pursue the biblical picture of church. If I'm going to have people around at my house or visit someone's house or go through that awkward first time meeting someone, awkward conversation, what do you like to do? (laughs) What's your favourite movie? That's my line. If you're meeting with me and I've got, if you want to know a secret, I've got nothing else to say. I'll ask you what my favourite, your favourite movie is because I love movies. So I get the ball rolling. If I'm going to endure the awkward conversation of meeting up with someone the first time, if I'm going to look weird as I say to my neighbours who, who generally we don't talk to our neighbourhoods, but I'm going to say, hey, do you want to come around for dinner? And I get that weird look of, is he inviting me past the front gate? If, when I'm feeling tired or can't be bothered or feeling extra introvert, introverted, which I barely, but sometimes even I do, then I'm going to start to ask the question, why am I doing this and for what purpose? I'm going to need to understand what is the outcome of an inclusive family table being radical, radically hospitable. And I get this series has already touched on this. But let's finish this morning with some clarity about why this is what God or where God is leading us. Because radical hospitality is a massive component to Christ and his church. So why? Okay, number one, three points. Number one, just keep going along there, Janine. Big why there. Number one, God tells us to. If you haven't heard this series and the narrative that's been coming out constantly about hospitality, here's a couple of quick scriptures found in the New Testament that talk about God's hospitality. Just that next one, sorry. There we go. Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show what, church? Well done. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. 
Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Interesting, because I've done a couple of interviews, only a couple of interviews to become a pastor in different churches and at different ministries, and I've interviewed different leaders. And I admit, I've never been asked, nor have I asked a leader, give me an example of a time you've been hospitable. I'll ask them what their atonement model might be or what their theological position is on end times. We, we rate these things. <laughs> but I must admit, how often do we get asked, when's the last time you've been hospitable? Yet here's Timothy and Titus telling us it's one of the key components of a leader in a church. Maybe even a member, even though the word member doesn't exist in a Bible, maybe if you've said, hey, I want to be a member, a leader in this church. The key question, or one of the key questions would be, are you willing to be hospitable? It, just a little challenge as, as we're making our way through these passages. And then Hebrews 13 too, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. There's a deeper, something deeper going on than just a bit of cake and a cup of tea. Something deeper is at play when we show hospitality. If you're still not sure, if you're going, okay, well, that's, there's a couple of passages there. Thanks, Steve. If you're not sure, just look at the Old Testament law and see how many festivals God asks us to have. It's actually ridiculous as you start reading through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Every second line, what well, feels like every second line is, and then eat, and then eat together, and then have a festival, and then eat together, and then have a festival. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. I'll read through this quickly in Deuteronomy 14, to 27. Here's an example of this. If you want to have a read through the whole thing, write it down. But basically in Deuteronomy, God instructs his people to take 10% each year and then worship him with it. And how are we to worship him? Chuck a big party. I kid you not. So if you, if you don't have the animals or the things to bring, then you sell it at home and you bring the money. But listen to this. Use the silver, 26, use the silver to buy whatever you like. Party poppers, streamers, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites, Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Allotment or inheritance of their own. Imagine if, so you've got the motions today in your church news for the AGM. Imagine, and a lot of them around the budget. Imagine if the fourth one was, uh, we as a board have decided that we're going to take 10% and chuck a big party. You would, I reckon I would, there would be, some, be serious questions afterwards whether we've got the right leadership as a church. Yet, I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just saying hospitality is right through the Bible. God tells us to. Now, that should be end of sermon. That should be enough. Sometimes, someone saying you should do something without full explanation can be hard to follow, even God. Stay with me, let me expand. Imagine this. Imagine you run 
into a new person or couple and you just this is totally not based on real life even though it sounds like it's awfully specific this is just a made-up scenario imagine you run into a new person or couple and you decide to have them over for dinner after a hard day with a work or kids you work up the energy to go out and do the grocery shopping to get some food for dinner as you buy the food you realize your husband just paid a large bill and forgot to tell you so you're standing in line at Audi and your car declines and it's 4pm and the Audi guys are already looking pretty cranky but you've also held up the line and now the line's cranky. You work out how to pay it and on your way home the car starts blowing smoke from the bonnet. You safely get it home but you have a sneaky suspicion that there's a problem with your car and you can't help but think where is a non-existent money that you couldn't pay for the groceries going to pay for that part. You get home, you maybe have a fight with your partner about how he forgot to tell you that he just paid that bill and you were embarrassed. It's during the end of the fight you realise that you've lost track of time and the meal you're cooking for dinner that night is starting to burn. It's at that moment you realise you haven't seen the middle child for a while. Alas, you find her, let's call her Belle. <laughs> and she's drawing, so you're like, oh, okay, on the walls. And so then you have a fight with your husband because he should have been watching her while you were cooking dinner. He has a fight back, argues back politely because he's been looking at the accounts, working out how to pay for this part and transfer money over for the groceries. It's at that point you realise the meal is burnt because you forgot about it and you think to yourself, maybe in our human weakness, we think to ourselves, why are we doing this? He replies... I'm going to say, he replies, woman, I did that one. Listen to 1 Peter 4, 8, 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Does that help? In that moment, does that help? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> because we're human. And Old Testament law and humans fell short on Old Testament law nearly every time. By our very nature, we want to wrestle with why though? Why God? Israel, the word Israel literally means an individual and then when it became a nation, those that wrestle with God. We want to know why, to what purpose God when the chips are down, we're not great at being motivated by commandments and words. It's literally one of the central things that we do wrong in the Bible. It actually leads into why 2,000 years ago, God said, fine, I'll show you. I'll show you what it looks like. I'll sit with you. I'll be the ultimate example of hospitality. Come out of the heavenly realm. And come into the mess and brokenness. I'll sit with the lost, the sinful, the broken, the outcast, and I'll offer them a seat at my table. In fact, so great is my hospitality, he says, that your hospitality after this is done in my strength, in my example. It's not a commandment, hospitality is a reaction. To what Jesus has done. It's through Jesus we see this heart and the power of radical hospitality, which is my second point of why Jesus lived it. 
So when that, when, when that hypothetical scenario happens to you, you know, Jesus died for this very reason. Jesus showed us. Jesus lived it. It's in Jesus' strength. It's not a performance. It's just practicing what he's already done. It's not earning. He already loves us. He's already offered us a seat at the table. It's just effort because we love him and for what he did for us. Jesus shows us through his life, death and resurrection that being present, that sacrificing time, that bearing with one another, that loving one another, that hearing each other's stories, that sharing a meal with each other and strangers is so much more than just a meal or coffee. It's so much deeper than we can even fully understand. It's life-changing, it's restorative, it's freeing. We see in the Bible it breaks bondages, it's healing. It's breaking what we call heaven, the kingdom of heaven, into earth. And you thought it was a cup of coffee with a new person at church. Listen to this, Matthew 20. For when there are two or three gathered in my name, there I'm with you. If you've got people around, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is with you, stirring, working. It brings, it's bringing God's hospitality, God's family, God's spirit and forming that ever-growing, inclusive, unifying family table that is church. I've accounted for a reader this morning, so I actually don't have the verse up here, but in Ezekiel 49, it shows this picture. Write that down, please, because I'm not going to be able to read it this morning. But, so I'd love you to have a look at this prophecy. In Ezekiel 49, there's this prophecy of when the temple will be restored. And there's this beautiful picture of the temple filling up with water, living water. And then it leaks. It leaks out into the land And then there's this picture where the guy that's been shown this prophecy, this dream, his ankles get wet. Then his knees get wet. And then it's up to his waist. And what it is, it's a prophecy thousands of years before about the Holy Spirit will come. The curtain will break in the temple. The temple being the church or us as individuals. And we'll be filled with the Spirit and it'll be so good that we'll leak. It'll leak all over the community. It's not meant for just the church. That's what radical hospitality, that's what an inclusive family table can look like. It leaks. Which brings me to my last point. To what end is radical hospitality? What does it do? Healthy hospitality sees disciples made. If you're new to church, if you're new to faith, disciple is one of these religious words that Christians, we don't even sometimes know what it means. But it means students. A family table, families make kids. A healthy spiritual family table makes kids, makes students, makes more of them, leaks, grows people, sees them transform, sees them come to know Jesus. It's just a student. It just means a student. I like the word apprentice. It makes apprentices of Jesus. But healthy hospitality, its end product is disciples made. I've got a picture up here. 
what do you think? <laughs> I'm just thinking, I haven't told you what the factory is, so that's unhelpful. I was going to say, what do you think that factory makes? But I meant to tell you, it's a bike factory. What do you think the factory makes? Water? Butter? Chocolate? All right, now the real answer. What does a bike factory make? Bikes. Bikes. It makes bikes. I've got that really clear on the next slide. Bikes. There you go. And then the next slide, please, Janine. An old uh, church, black and white photo church. What do you think that makes? <laughs> Actually, the next slide. Currently, it makes money and drinks as a nightclub. Um, so, no, the building itself doesn't make disciples. But, trick question. Next, next slide. What do you think this makes? Good answers. The next one. Next slide. It could make you fat. It could make you fat. Food could make you fat. However, there's a reason behind these questions. What does a group of people gathering around the gospel and in the spirit of God, growing in our relationship with each other and Christ and going into the darkness and bringing the light of Christ, what does it look like? I've got a rough diagram. Christ-centered community growing in radical hospitality and in the Holy Spirit's power, what does that make? It makes disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what we do here. If you're ever wondering, what does church do? There you go. That's what we make when we're operating in how God intended. My encouragement, church, is for all of us in our own ways to practice being hospitable to each other, to new people, to our networks and neighbourhoods. And why? God told us to. <laughs> Jesus lived it and showed us how. And radical hospitality produces disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to be careful. When you pre preach practices, you want to be careful that you're not preaching law. There's no guilt in this. If you don't know Jesus, then can I first ask you to accept his invitation to be part of his table, to be part of his family? Because otherwise this is impossible to do because we're doing it out of our own strength. And when the hypothetical situation comes across, we've just got home from work and you don't feel like being very hospitable, it's, to stir your own energy up is not enough. You need to know that Christ first loved you. So the practice of hospitality. These are some of the themes we've talked about in the last six weeks. Radical hospitality in the Bible and the significant meals in the Bible. Lots of big moments in the Bible happen around food, good and bad. Radical hospitality can be missional. Our world is lonely. We want to eat with others. People are want connection. Radical hospitality requires us to sacrifice. It's going to cost. It's going to cost us something. It costs Jesus everything. It's going to cost a little bit of something. Radical hospitality is unifying. And then last week we talked about hospitality in the center of the table, communion and Jesus. 
What a tragedy for us as individuals, especially those that come here regularly. What a tragedy to have Bible-based preaching with four different preachers over the last seven weeks and it not for it to invade our life even in the slightest. What a tragedy. Even by the definition, the word hospitality in the Greek means philo, which is brotherly love, and xenos, which is stranger. Love to the unknown, love to the... It's ever-expanding. By definition, this word is about stretching ourselves outwards. If this has challenged you, even in the slightest, then please ask God to equip you for the next step, to break down any barriers and to empower you through his spirit. So I'm going to ask us to stand as a church, if that's okay. And Tom and Mel, you can come back up. Thank you so much. If that's okay, we'll stand as a church. And just as a symbol, there's nothing, I tell you what, there's nothing spiritually deeper about where my hand is here or it's up here. But just as a symbol, as you're uniting us as a church, if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. And just as a symbol of surrender to, not me, to God, and say, God, we want to try this as individuals and we want to get better at this as a church. Even if it's just if you're super introverted and it's just talking to somebody. That's okay. That's what God's doing in you. If you're super extroverted, it might be throwing a big house party and having 70 people over your house. All of that, God's in. So I'm just going to ask you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for us and me as we step out of this series and ask God to say something to us through it. Let's pray. Father God, we... We stand here, whether, whether it doesn't matter where our arms are, Lord, but it, hopefully with our hearts surrendered to you. Just to say, God, you talk a lot about hospitality. And Jesus, well, Jesus lives it. Father, we want to be a church that makes disciples, our core business. Father, we want to be a church that is leaking outwards. Father, I believe that if the water stays in here, the living water stays in here, you'll probably turn the tap off. Why not? It's designed to flood Burley, the surrounding areas. That was your intent, Lord. Make us, help us, transform us, renew us to be more hospitable. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your holy Bible that guides us and thank you for your spirit that empowers us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Two questions. You're probably pulling up the words, Janine, so you don't have to show these two questions. Just two questions to write down as you exit today after our last song. What is the Holy Spirit inviting you into after this series and what are you going to do about it? That's up to you. You can come have a chat to me about it if you want. You can talk about it over dinner. But what is the Holy Spirit inviting you into? And then secondly, what are you going to do about it?